the Ghost Goal Podcast. Manchester United were beaten by five goals at Old Trafford by title contenders Liverpool last weekend. They're going to be looking to turn around that horrific home result with a trip down to Tottenham, the last team that pumped them by a scoreline of five goals or more at Old Trafford. It's a tumultuous time uh, in the Premier League. We got managers on the hot seat, managers uh, recently being fired. We've got uh, teams that we thought that were promising playing badly and teams that we thought were going to be bad playing pretty well. So it's uh, hard to get a read on, but we're going to look to do it as we preview this weekend's coming games in the Premier League. I'm Alex, here with Javier for episode 327 of the Ghost Goal podcast. Javier, what was your reaction when, uh, let's say halftime of that that Liverpool-Manchester United game? You know, Liverpool just added on a couple more at the end of the half. Mo Salah scored just before the halftime whistle. Well, I thought like, what, what, I, I did think Liverpool were going to win easily, but I never thought it was going to be... Yeah, but that easily? Like, no, I, think, I, I, think I never you thought were it was going to be like that, no, because... I mean, I thought there was a chance that United could get blown away the way that they had been playing, you know, especially defensively. They have had a few injuries, like Maguire and Varane have been in and out of the team. Both have had a couple of injuries. And I said last week, Maguire's clearly playing injured. And yeah. that is, and like, I, I don't think anyone can, you know, dispute that anymore. I think Aaron Wan-Bissaka, for me, hasn't been playing at the level that I'm used to for him. I don't know if he's, you know, having some sort of injury issues or maybe... You know, he might be suffering from there. There's no other right back that's pressuring him at Manchester United to like be the absolute best. And if you don't have that pressure behind you at a team like United, you can grow complacent. And I I think maybe that's happened to a few of these United players who are used to always starting right now for Manchester United and playing players like Paul Pogba, who seems like one week he's you know assisting four four goals and then the next week he's just having an absolute stinker and you know misplaying balls all across the pitch losing possession you know 20 times in a game and to be fair to him in this one he i mean i know he got red carded but he only came on like in the 60th minute or something so he's not he wasn't clearly part of like the capitulation in the first half that happened to man united but the red card obviously doesn't look good but no but he was he was on the pitch for the four two for the Leicester, you know, loss for two, yeah, yeah. the, yeah, the no, draw I'm, I'm with just, Everton and the loss. Clarifying to the listeners that uh, you know, Pogba is not, you know, despite the red card, he's not like like you're not you putting the, the scapegoat on him for this one. United so right now, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer him. remains in the job. He's going to be, you know, there this weekend. That's three losses and a draw in the league in the last, you know, four games for United. They have that one Champions League win over Atalanta. That's like keeping their keeping Ole, I think, alive right now. If they didn't have that win, he'd probably be out of a job. See, I don't know what to believe anymore because you, you, I feel like you can't apply the same sort of standards that we're kind of accustomed to. I mean, at least me as a Chelsea fan, but we're pretty we're, we're known as more trigger-happy than most teams. But I don't think you can apply those same standards to Manchester United. Like, they, they, It seems pretty clear now that they give managers a bit more time than you know the general public and their own fan base is usually willing to. But like, how ridiculous is it that three games in the season, you know, everyone was talking about Manchester United being a title contender and Arsenal possibly struggling for relegation, and now all right, don't, don't make this a Manchester United, United Arsenal thing. No, no, but I'm saying it's it's like it's pretty clear why. Like when you looked at the and don't be we can't be biased and look at it based off how they're playing in the vacuum of this current moment. 
like at the time, like on paper, you looked at Manchester United signings. We were making the case that they were they had one of the best you know transfer windows in England at least. Yes. Yeah, like, so where has they, it gone wrong? Where is it gone? Because it, it shouldn't have gone wrong this quickly. It's not like they've had horrible injuries to their key players. Ronaldo's been there the whole time. Rashford, yeah, I mean, Rashford, yeah, Rashford. This Rashford is coming back and has gotten a couple of goals in the last couple of games since he's been back and he's looked good. That you know that's positive, but it, it seems like they got a little they're, they're, boost they seem, when Ronaldo caught got in two there. Minds, they're caught in two minds right now. Like they, the entire time Ole Solskjaer has been there. They've been, you know, more of a defensive counterattacking team, and that suits them. Like I, w- I wouldn't blame him for set- setting them up that way, but that comes with its own problems. And it, it seems like recently, I mean, from what I've heard, it seems like recently the the players have kind of made like more demands of having the team be more on the front foot, taking advantage of, uh, you know, this sort of influx of attacking talent that they all of a sudden have where, you know, in one summer they bring in Sancho and Ronaldo to a strike force that already has, you know, Bruno, Rashford, uh, Martial. I know he's playing bad, but, you know, there, there are Cavani. There's a lot of players there and it's, you know, it's kind of hard Greenwood. to get them all minutes. So Greenwood. Yeah, exactly. I knew I was forgetting one or two. Probably still am. Pogba sometimes plays in like the the three behind the striker when they play four two three one. So there's a lot of players that are available to them in those positions, and it seems like the players since that Leicester game basically, like the first half of the Leicester game, they were their usual sort of defensive selves, and then they started stepping up way more and, the, and continued into the Liverpool game where they were just playing a higher and higher defensive line, and it's like they've chosen the two worst games or two of the worst games you could choose to try and implement that kind of system. Because Leicester and Liverpool, they're just going to, they're they're fully drilled as squads how to play through, like a good press, not just a shitty one that United have been doing. And I mean, I know we're supposed to be previewing this this Tottenham game, but with that Manchester City game next week, like you're thinking, they better figure it out fast. Like if they don't figure it out for this game, like City could do even worse to United than what Liverpool did. Liverpool let up after that that Pogba red card because he. He pretty badly injured Keita in the process, and Keita had to be stretchered off. And it kind of felt like the whole team went, all right, let's settle down here. We're up 5-0. You know, it's not like... Uh, I don't know it was whether for whether it was to keep Ole Solskjaer in the job or whether they were just like trying to pr- I'm, like I'm preserve very themselves they, they put the and their own on health. Because I mean, thank, if they really cared about that, they wouldn't have gone up 4-0 in the first place. They would have gone to 3 and kept it at 3. <laughs> But, well, no, they wanted yeah. to humiliate United, but just not not enough to get Ole fired. You know, if it had been like seven or eight, Ole would have been fired. So they were just they they kept it they kept it slightly, you know, uh, humane and not a complete. It was a complete decimation, but it wasn't, you know, an eight two humiliation or something. But anyway, uh, a little bit more about United here. I, what I think chance? That, uh, like, what, what do you think? This is a Tottenham team that they're going to that you know aren't exactly playing out of their socks either I, I mean i know they had a sort of boost in their form recently but I, I i said in last week's pod that that west ham game is going to be it's going to be very much a uh, a measuring stick for me on how much i can trust a team like tottenham to predict them to win and now they're coming up against manchester united i'm just thinking like all right pick my poison like now yeah i mean west ham I'm right not confident now in either west ham are playing excellently right now to be fair to to tottenham and then why'd that you pick game- tottenham well, no, I was going to say that game was very close. Tottenham had had a good amount of chances. Son and Kane both had 1v1s that Fabianski saved. So, I, 
you know, I think the game could have been 1-1 or 2-1 Tottenham, but Tottenham definitely were there for the taking as well. You know, West Ham had numerous chances as well. They they were able to easily move the ball in between the lines against Tottenham, um, and that Rice-Suchek midfield just absolutely dominated. Um, and I think that this is going to be two similarly weak midfields, you know, midfields who haven't been you know at their best equals? this season. A shit show, Alex. Yeah. Doesn't that <laughs> equal usually like a, a lot of goals in a game. shit show? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be two midfields Basketball is soccer, that, but with your hands and no midfield. It's just Two midfields end. that are going to give the ball away a lot, that are, you know, going to pass the ball backwards a lot. I think we're going to see a lot of passes back. And it's probably going to be two teams that are going to be very scared to lose. You know, both are not on the best of form, especially Manchester United, but United really need a win here. See, that, that's weird because you kind of you kind of went the opposite way from what I was thinking. I was thinking both these teams are desperate for a win. You know, Tottenham are at home. They've already had plenty of embarrassing results in big games this season. Well, Tottenham haven't drawn a game yet, so I feel like they're, they, either, like they're they either get wrecked it. or they, yeah, or they go for it and, and get and a win. That's what makes me think high scoring and I don't know, it kind of seemed like you were like inching closer yeah, to, no, you know, I, I, I they think, don't I th- want to lose it being low scoring and it being like nil nil. But I, I think it's going to be like, God damn. I just don't know which one to pick. It's I think I think it's going to be like a three two. It, it, I think it's, I'll it's say home Manchester United. It's not them at home. Uh, Saturday at 1230. I kind of think that this has a draw written all over it. So I'm going to say two two, a high scoring draw. But I don't think either team get a win in this game. I just think Ronaldo pulls a, a lads it's Tottenham on them and, you know, scores like a brace or something. Like, like what are Tottenham doing to, to Ronaldo? But like, this okay, is like the one like, midfield we need to, battle We need to address that, like, this problem because it's, it's an elephant in the room win. right now. I think Manchester United are worse this year with Cristiano Ronaldo. They're different, that's for sure. I think I last year at least, at least last year when they had Cavani or Rashford or... Greenwood up top, they could press. They could, I don't uh, think so. you know, I don't dro- think they were ever that good at pressing. They could also drop back behind the ball and make themselves hard to break down. When you have Cristiano Ronaldo in your side, you can't really do either one of those. Ronaldo's not great you at dropping can, back and defending. You can do the defensive a little bit, thing, a little bit, but you just bit, won't get any help. You, you, you just need won't other get help. Players. Yeah, exactly. And 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 it's and the but the problem is is when you play Bruno as well who doesn't really like to press very much, yeah. And you play either Martial or Rashford or Greenwood um, or Sancho. Sancho also just doesn't really like to press that much. So there's a bunch of players at United who yeah they occasionally will do the pressing job but they don't do it in unis- in unison. You can tell they don't do it as a team. They'll individually do it in bit, in bits and spurts. Even Ronaldo will. Like Ronaldo will pressure the goalkeeper or defenders, but they just don't do it as a team. And you never see them grow and hunt in packs, which is what you see Liverpool, you see Chelsea, you see City doing it. Even even teams like Leicester and Brighton, when they go and press, they press it's as a coordinated. group. And, it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's and, not just and, and one guy feels, deciding to do it. And it feels like 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 powerful pressure on the enemy team, even when like on the opposing team when when they don't have the ball like they they really put pressure on those opposing teams and teams that do that even even Brentford who I would say have had of of the bottom half of the table teams they've probably one of the better ones in terms of a press they've been excellent so far this season in their press so and all of those teams can do that to the degree where to at the very least they can do that to the degree where they just make it difficult for you to get into their half 
or to like sort of break through into their their own defensive And I think half. for Tottenham and for Manchester United, because this, this problem goes for Tottenham as well. When you're playing Harry Kane, yeah. Hyomin Son, and Lucas Mora, Mora actually does press pretty well, but Son and Son Kane... Son feels like it. Yeah, Son and Sometimes. Kane for the most... No, Son... It, it, I, it, honestly, this season, has, Son's been pretty good, but he hasn't been pressing. Like, he, he, I'm sure now he feels like he's the main man. He signed a new deal. He probably thinks... I'm the guy who's going to be getting the goals. I'm the future of this team. Like I don't have to be running after which doing is, the which is valid, duties. which is valid when you consider he's actually signed like a multiple year contract, and you know Kane is pretty clearly not going to be. But here. But you can tell in games that they. There. I know that like they just scored and assisted each other. Like what? Like Kane had that cross to Son, which happened. But they really aren't playing the same as they were last season or in the last few years at all. You can tell that there's been a little bit of a rift or a disconnect between them, much like how there was for Mane and Salah for a couple of years there. And that kind of, that looks now to have, to have, you know, evened out or or now they've, they've sorted that out. But yeah, I think Tottenham and United have a lot of the same problems where their midfield and their, their front line don't press as well as they should. Um, And defensively, they've got a lot of problems at the back. So like you said, I think that's going to lead to a lot of goals. Um, and, and just to follow up on the, the the Ronaldo point that you made about United not having the players around him to sort of like sort of make up for the defensive work that, you know, he's just not going to do, especially at his age. The point I've seen made that I think is important to, you know, close out that on is it's been made plenty of other places, but it's important nonetheless. That was still the case with Ronaldo when he was 24 and younger, you know, winning the Champions League, winning player of the year in Ballon d'Or as a Manchester United player, like and sort of breaking through as this like world-class player. But to make up for that, because he wasn't pressing, like even then, they had Wayne Rooney, one of like the most hardworking like forward players of all time. Um, Oh God, how am I forgetting his name? The greatest Korean player of all time. Why am I forgetting his name? Park Ji-sung. Park Ji-sung, that's what I was thinking, yeah. They also had... Uh, they, also they had him had, in midfield, yeah, Tevez working his ass Fletch, off. Fletcher and Carrick just doing all the dirty and, or work Or Hargreaves in midfield. They had all these players right. in midfield and the forward line, and I think the forward line is the more important part of that because, you know, United have hard-working midfield players. They're just not very good. Like, Fred works hard. McTominay works hard. They're just not very good. Like, But it's the forward players at United right now that they just don't have the personnel to make up for it. And that's why I thought they should have just stuck with a a deeper system that, you know, kind of hides those flaws a little bit more. And then what about what about 007, Alex? We're not bringing him up. We're not bringing him up yet. yet? All right. It's not his time. His time will come. But there's an interesting trend of uh, promising Bundesliga players. You think it's a pretty interesting trend with Bundesliga players, Javier, don't you think? Like, but then again, some of them have gotten there to a, to a degree. Like Christian Pulisic had a great spell. Yes, during lockdown, you don't remember that when he just like he did, but it was only a handful of games. Then he got injured again. Yeah, but I'm talking about like just having like a spell at all, like where Sancho is right now, where he has no goals and right, no assists. Like, all right, Pepe got Pepe like, had like five goals and five Pulisic assists had, in the last five Pulisic games. Pulisic had the last same season. thing when he first arrived, and then he scored a hat trick against Burnley in like November. So, like, sometimes, you know, it t- takes them a little bit. Uh, I, I still think the same of Sancho, but, you know, the, the coaching fit does not seem to be the best one. That's for sure. Uh, but let's move on. Uh, what, what's the official prediction? You're saying 2 2? Free Donnie Van de Beek. <sighs> yeah. You even Antonio forgot Conte he was on will there. certainly not be able to do that. That's another, like, attacking player that they, uh, yeah, that they just don't ignore. even use. Yeah. They just ignore. Yeah. And I'll stick with 3-2 Manchester United. Let's uh, wind the clock back a little bit. 
Saturday at 7.30 a.m., we're going to kick off the weekend with Leicester hosting Arsenal. This is actually like the the game I'm most excited for this weekend. Like I'm not even looking forward to the Tottenham United game. I'm looking forward to this one more because, you know, Leicester have kind of, you know, got their season back on track. Their last home game was that big 4-2 win against United two weeks ago. And now they've got Arsenal uh, fresh off a very impressive win against Aston Villa last Friday at the Emirates. Beat, Thank you, Alex. Beat, uh, beat Villa you, Alex. 3-1. I, hey, I yeah, have to I mean, say... Every time you predict us to lose, it's 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 wonderful. I it, it brings a joy to my heart and just it makes my my heart flutter because it basically means we're going to win. So thank to the you, listeners Alex. out there, Javier is you know putting a brave face on it, but now he's given me the high ground because he knows that their fate lies in my hands. And very few people hate Arsenal more than I do. <laughs> so with that power, I can do despicable things. No, Alex, don't you be predicting Arsenal? No, wins. this this that Arsenal team's really. Surging, right. Javier. No, think Alex, it's surging at the moment. Start talking shit yes, about us. Do. Say how trash we are. <laughs> say how we're so in the dumps, and I and then and I'm being ridiculous I, I, with my. Yeah, uh, okay. I'll I'll stop the the, the duplicity. I'll I'll stop being uh, two faced about it. I certainly think you guys have a chance to get like a draw there, but I think this is still like Leicester win, most likely. Look written all over it. It, it basically written comes down all over it. I mean, it's Leicester at home against an Arsenal team that, you know, are good defensively. But, you know, you, you can't just ignore a bunch of the other, like, shaky-ass performances Arsenal have had. Like, well, just right next before to each other in the table. that Villa one. Both have 14 points. Yeah, but like I said, when uh, Leicester beat Manchester United and we're going into this Brentford away game that they just won, uh, 2-1 away at Brentford, this is the time of year where Leicester have their like their surge in the table. They get up into the top four usually around this time of year, and they coast on that through to the end of December and January. Yeah, don't you know when Arsenal they pick up are gods in October and November, Alex? Okay. We are right. also the gods. Where were you months. last year? Because that was certainly not Ooh. the case in October and November of last year, Javier. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a different. <laughs> when you were period. losing one nil to Burnley, and you know all that trash. <laughs> all right, oh, dude. But I, sometimes but I, I wonder, like, I if think... you even know I was a history major? Like, you even know that it's like part of my thinking to remember recent and some past history, like more distant past history. Like, well, see, I just <laughs> bring it into conversations. It, you know? No, I never forget. An elephant never forgets, Javier. <laughs> But but yeah no I I mean I think the most likely result in this game is a draw I think this is two teams that uh, Leicester wasn't on the best of form a few weeks ago but they seemingly have turned it around um, you know they got a they had that two two draw with Burnley two two draw with Palace um, and then they beat Manchester United four two like you said and and they beat Brentford so uh, Arsenal similarly are unbeaten in six. You know, we've we've conceded three goals since our first choice back lines come in, as well as one, winning four games and drawing two. Now, you remember after those first three games, and I, I keep bringing this up because it's just it, it, it doesn't seem to stick in your mind yet how much of a different team this is. You're still like looking at the team last season and at the beginning of this season as like, oh, Arsenal are going to slip up again or become. Show me to re- rebut just slightly. I'll I'll meet you halfway and I'll say that the the imp- uh, improvements I have seen this season have been like most definitely in the defense. Like the Ben White Gabriel pairing with Tommy Asu at right back and 
I mean, even with Tavares in there, Tavares is one of the best players Tavares in that Villa amazing. game. Amazing, yeah, against Villa, um, he looks super, super comfortable. But you know, I'm, I'm not trying to shit on him, but you just don't know how reliable that is from such Obviously a young player. Not, no. So, and, and but when Tierney's yeah. fit, uh, which I'm not sure he's going to be for this. The website I use, the uh, Premier League. I actually wanted Tavares to start table. anyway. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, mean, I think the with either one of those, you've got Villa, a, he, he a good balance start. in defense. Yeah. You know, that kind of like naturally shifts into like a three at the back sometimes, depending on how Tommy Asu's playing, whether he's trying to get forward more or sit deeper. And then, yeah, Ramsdale's been definitely better than than Leno, just all around. Like, I don't think he's really elite at anything yet, but he's you know a jack of all trades. Like very good at every little part of being a goalkeeper. So with that platform that you guys have of being, you know, pretty solid defensively now, like, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't blame you for being the, thinking the most likely result is a draw. I, I don't blame you for thinking that. But but Leicester are very good, and I, I still think Leicester are very good. And Daka has really come I, into form. I also, you guys don't have a player that can hold a candle to Tielemans at the moment. At the moment, Thomas, current form. Thomas Tielemans. No, no, I'm saying Tielemans has run every well game right now. I don't care. All right, you're, let's you're, see you're how they choosing do the, not to focus on the player no, I'm talking I, about. I mean, I'm I really want to see. I want to. I want to see how they do. How they go? That's going to be you a seen fascinating goal, goals matchup. that has scored recently. Of course, of course, it's going to be a fascinating matchup. Like uh, Arsenal have been one of the best teams at blocking shots from outside the box. You know, Gabriel and Ben White have both are both so much better than anything we've had in the last decade in terms of actually blocking shots before they come in. So I'm excited to see how they do against a Leicester team that likes to shoot. You know, um, but defensively, was pretty good at that. Defensively, this Leicester team is there to be had. I mean, they've been everywhere defensively, conceding more goals than Arsenal. Since Evans has been back, since Evans has come back, like I think it was about two or three games ago, they have. They They still conceded against Brentford, conceded two against United, conceded two against Palace, conceded two against Burnley, conceded two against Leicester. So they've conceded two goals okay, so all in the their games last before six the games. Man United one. Like are they've conceded once like against Brentford and then twice in every other game in the yeah, last five games. Cl- what I'm saying is clearly all the games before the United one. Like what I'm saying about them, you know, shifting into better form this season is that it, it's not it, like the, the the early season, you know, dip that we were criticizing them for going into that Manchester United game. I think it's a thing of the past. Like Who, with Evans in the lineup, who's going mean, to stop Emil Smith Rowe? Who's going to stop Emil Smith Rowe? Stop that! Come on! I'm telling you right now, nobody can stop. He scores him one right deflected now. goal to make it three nil. It's, not, it's not, like, not his goal scoring. Defi- it's, it's not his goal scoring. It's his dribbling. Nobody can stop I mean, him. How about right the now? player that you getting, tried to sign that basically would have displaced Emil Smith Rowe? You guys were trying to sign James Madison this past, you know, window, and. You know, he just scored his first goal of the season. He looked he's looked much better the last couple of games. There's a lot of players here that like have only just really gotten up to the right like level I'm, of fitness I'm happy, and form. Alex, that, because right now you're hyping up Leicester, and this is what I need. Because if we go and beat them there, Alex, now no, then I'll finally do, have do you your know what attention. it is, Javier? Then I'll finally this, have your fucking. This attention. has one one written all over it. It does. It does, and I'll honestly probably be happy with a one one draw in this because we'll be away. I, I would at go Leicester. for two two. But it's the first game on Saturday after you guys both played in midweek. Yeah, I, I, I'm just thinking one. I also one. haven't mentioned like Lacazette and Aubameyang. Both of them in that Villa game were were monstrous. Aubameyang was pressing his, you know, all of ninety minutes. Looked super hungry for the ball. He was good in build up. Wasn't losing the ball in possession like he had been in in earlier games and and a lot during lots of points of last season. And I mean Lacazette, I'd been calling for him to start right. 
And lo and behold, he starts and we, we, we completely dominate a Villa side who have looked good this season, looked good last season, were fully fit. There was no excuses for this Villa team, you know? I think not starting Jacob Ramsey was was a big mistake from Dean Smith and probably could have changed this game. But I think that if Arsenal play like that every week, there's not one we're going to play against that we're not going to have a chance against. So I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that hunger. Um, You know, it seems that away from home, we're still not getting that same push that we're getting at home. But well, was that you were just saying that there's no team that we shouldn't feel good about? What, what exactly was that? I missed the exact quote. I'm saying if Arsenal play like that, there's there shouldn't be a team that we play against that we don't have a chance in the game. So, so if you think, you think that if you guys play the way you did against Villa, let's say you play like that against Liverpool at Anfield on November 20th, you, we'll have a chance. A no, I don't think we'll, we'll a chance a at a result. A chance at yeah, at a draw, something like that. Yeah, I think you guys were good against Villa. I think you might be overvaluing it a little bit. Like we're just gonna step right past and ignore the very dubious penalty that was given for two nil. Like it should be one nil going into halftime. Villa make a sub, and all of a sudden they're hunting for that equalizer yeah, earlier in the second made like half. Nine saves, Alex. The, yeah, we, yeah. There, I'm, there I'm was, not saying you guys didn't deserve to win. I'm just saying so many more the, the value of the win is being you know pushed out of proportion right now like it's it's a good win but i'm but not, it's not I'm just sucking chelsea win. off over winning three nil against Villa. i know, like I know but you don't go, you don't go from like losing the first three games not scoring any goals being bottom of the table and having conceded like right. 10 so goals rel- to being to where early, we are yeah. now the, the the night and day difference like you have to see how big of a jump it's been since that point you know what i mean like like we were talking about after those chelsea and city losses about arsenal just like having no chance at anything this season. And, and, and I don't see that now. I, I think Arsenal could win like uh, a Carabao times. cup or an FA cup or something, you know, simpler times when you still start in Colossus action, at Manchester city. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and we hadn't right. signed Ramsdale, Tomayasu or right. And Leno, yes, right. It was still the, Leno was the still our goalkeeper. Keeper. What uh, are you sticking to one one? Same as me. I'm gonna say one one. Yeah, I'm gonna say one one Arsenal. Let's try. I don't want to predict this to win because it'll be a jinx. I say I, one one. Course, like still very excited heart, for the game. Still secretly in my heart, like I think Arsenal are gonna win, and I actually think we're gonna keep then, a clean then, sheet. Then do it. I, I, I think we will win like one nil. All right, I'm gonna do it one nil. Okay, one nil. Good. I like it. He thinks he's keeping a clean one-nil. sheet at the King Power. Good for him. I do. I do. That's All right, I'll stick with one one, Alex. Zombie uh, going back. Ah. That's the last player I haven't talked about. Sambi, that's the best performance so far. All right, okay, wait for him to Alex. okay, wait for him to have a, a much better performance before. Like we've already we've already been through freaking Nuno Tavares. We've been through. I didn't uh, talk about my Ramsdale enough, Alex. Ramsdale, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you'll you'll you guys they'll have their moments. All right, this once season. we beat Leicester, we're gonna come revisit this, and I'm gonna sit you down, and we're gonna have a real chat, Alex. All right. I would hold you to that, but that's not gonna happen. So. Uh, Continuing in chronological order, uh, Saturday, the 10 a.m. slot has uh, three of the top three teams in the league uh, all playing at the same time. But uh, there's also Burnley Brentford. So uh, no one's going to be watching that one. Uh, There's also a Watford Southampton game during the Saturday 10 a.m. time slot. And then those uh, three big teams will be playing. Liverpool will host Brighton, Manchester City will host Crystal Palace, and Chelsea will travel up to Newcastle. 
Liverpool Brighton uh, is the one I have highlighted just because, you know, in terms of two teams closest to each other in the table, this still kind of applies. I think Liverpool are in third, or sorry, Liverpool are in second, and uh, Brighton are still in fifth place, uh, as high as fifth with 15 points, uh, six points behind Liverpool. They're, they're going up to Anfield. I'm not highlighting this one with any sort of intention of trying to say, can, Bright- can Brighton... You know, shock I was about to say, Brighton have really cooled off. They have three draws and a loss in their last three games or four games in the Premier League after starting off, you know, so I mean, it's well. Kind of, it's kind of to be expected. Like the it games was, they won early on, they like the first game of the season, I'll never forget it. They played Burnley, and I think everyone it was Burnley away. Everyone missed it because it was at 10 a.m., like with a bunch of other games. They were down 1 0, like the entire game, and then in the last 10 minutes scored two goals and one right at the death to win 2 1. And then they had the Leicester game at home that they won, where they went ahead on like a penalty that shouldn't have been given, where they just got incredibly lucky with being awarded a penalty and ended up winning that game 2-1. So they, ha- they had a couple of results early in the season that you think like, oh, they got a bit lucky there. And this seem- it seems like more of an evening out of that kind of, you know, overperformance of, of what the, you know, their, their general performance kind of dictated. You so, got that uh, that 4-1 scoreline exactly right, Alex. I'll give you, uh, you like credit that? on that. Yeah. But City always beat uh, Brighton 4-1. I don't, I don't know about this one because Brighton, think they were part... I kind of think are going to smack them again yeah. here. They've been they've been so good at home. Mohamed Salah is the best player on the planet. I said it last week. I said it the week before. And then he, he just keeps doing it. Keeps scoring crazy goals. Keeps just absolutely being unstoppable right now yeah if he had won do you think if he had won champions league last year if liverpool had won the champions league or something like that last year then i think he'd be winning ballon d'or like with this current you know he's unreal right i I don't know how i mean there's nothing that this brighton side are going to be able to do i mean arsenal played against brighton brighton looked really good i think if they were at home you might give them like a a, a sniff of of getting like a a one one or a nil nil but I'm going to say 3-0 Liverpool. I think Liverpool are playing too well right now. And well, To be fair to Brighton, like they, they, they kind of are getting healthy at the right time. Uh, Tariq Lamptey came back and played in his first Premier League game against City, and he had one or two nice runs. I, I know I kind of teased that around the time that Brighton signed Mark Kukurea, that uh, with Kukurea left back, left wing back and Tariq Lamptey right wing back. Like that's a, a young left and right wing back combination that's, you know, up there with one of the best, some of the best in the league. So three, four threes, if they stick with this formation, which, you know, generally Brighton have, they, they do have the potential to cause Liverpool some problems. And when I say that, I don't mean, you know, Brighton are going to get a result here. I just mean that like the, the quick transition and switch of play while transitioning through a three, four, three, that's like built to take advantage of, Liverpool's deficiencies where if you look if Liverpool press the ball high up on one side of the field and it immediately gets released to the other side of the field with a, a pacey wing back like Lamptey or Kukurea there's a lot of times where Robertson and, and Trent Alexander-Arnold are caught further upfield and you can you can find some space in behind but so I think it's pretty interesting that uh in this last game against Manchester United uh Jurgen Klopp made the decision to actually drop Sadio Mane and we were talking about, do you start Yota? Do you start Firmino? He started both of them, and they were electric together. I mean, those two with with Salah, that's just such an such an intelligent and hardworking front three. That it's it's it just feels like 
it's good. Like any team in the league is gonna is gonna have so much trouble to keeping that that you know the, yeah, them off I the score sheet. We, we handled them. We handled them pretty easily. You know, we only needed ten men to do it. You know, so gave them a penalty, bullshit penalty. They couldn't score on us in open play. But yeah, for most other teams, yeah, you know, most other teams, even City couldn't teams. really. Yes, Alex, do it. Um, but for me, this this Liverpool, the way Liverpool have been playing these last couple of games, back to back five 0 wins, it reminds you a little bit of of you know the season when they they won the league, where they you know were just blowing teams out and occasionally drawing a game here or there, but they look they look set to poise to go on a run right now, and I think the only thing that has me a little bit worried about the title aspirations this season is when, when, when Mane and Salah both go to African cup of nations in January, as well as Nabi Keita. And, you know, that might be a, uh, a, a factor that people don't realize uh, ha- losing those players for three weeks or a month. That could be, uh, you know, that could be a, a big issue, it's but the, it's their two best attacking players, yeah. two of the best attacking players in the league. Plus a midfielder that I I know Keita has not lived up to his uh, he's price been great so far so far but this season he's been their best pressing midfielder and he actually was like very pivotal to how they just shredded United apart in that game last weekend so Keita like that that is a big miss I don't know how long he's going to be out for but it didn't look good he had to be carted yeah, off you, against uh, United as soon as Nabi starts getting into the team. I used to love Nabi Keita before I went to Liverpool, and then I feel like oh, he, so yeah, like you said, he hasn't he hasn't lived up to it yet. But the good news for Keita is that it's just a uh, a bruise, uh, so oh, he's not expected great. out that's for great. a long period of yeah. time. But crisis averted there. But regardless, if he's missing in January, that's a pretty significant miss uh, for them as well. Um, yeah, that, that's been my thing with Liverpool the whole time. Like we knew they were we, we maybe not to this extent. They've been impressive in regards that like they've yeah, been and, and scoring my way more at the beginning than we of the expected. Season was, Liverpool were going to start the season well. Like we all yeah. knew that you're not worried about a Klopp team in the first three, four, five months of the season. It's I want to see in March, April, and May if they have the same intensity. If they're still blowing teams out, if they still are keeping clean sheets, you know that's where we've seen Jurgen Klopp teams sometimes fall off. So right now, all all guns firing for Liverpool. Everything's going well, um, and it seems like like you said, Nabi's Nabi Keita stepped up in in the absence of Wijnaldum this season. Um, and yeah, having Virgil van Dijk has just, again, made this team defensively, you know, they had those, those kind of two weird games where they conceded a bunch of goals against city and, and Brentford. They, but that, other than that, they've only conceded that one goal against Chelsea and then they haven't conceded again this season. So they've been fantastic defensively city have been fantastic in Chelsea. And I think having the team mostly healthy is, is why they're like that again this season. Whereas, you know, last year Liverpool weren't. They were still good defensively, but they weren't at it, right? They weren't the best, one of the best teams yeah. in the league. I think they're back to being that that good. Well, yeah, they didn't. So. They didn't have a senior center back, center back available for most. Trent Alexander Arnold, so. you know, seem seemingly back healthy, back into the team. They have their full first choice back line. Like, like I said, Liverpool are poised to go on a run here, and I think they're going to win pretty easily. So I'm going to say three nil, Liverpool. I'm going to go with old reliable four one Liverpool. Brighton score once here. It's, it's honestly, it's it's a uh, it's an honor that I'm even giving them that at Anfield. Uh, let's move on uh, real quick. Manchester City hosting Crystal Palace. Uh, City are once again on a you know surge of good form themselves. We mentioned that four one win against Brighton that they had last week with a sort of 
first half flurry of goals. Phil Foden looks, you know, back to the imperious form that uh, made everyone so crazy about him at the end of last season, where he was, you know, the best player on the field and, you know, Champions League games against PSG and Dortmund and, you know, scoring multiple goals at Anfield, things like that. He's, you know, gotten back to that after an injury earlier in the season. So much so that I brought him in for my fantasy team uh, for this Crystal Palace game. Uh, So did I, Alex. Yeah, Palace looked good, but, you know, going to the Etihad... Uh, other than the time that Andros Townsend had that crazy volley against uh, City a couple years ago and then Palace somehow won 3-2, I usually feel like City handle things like 2-0 against Palace. I know this is a different Palace team, but I'll, I'll maybe go a little bit more. I'll go like 3-1 Manchester City. Yeah, I kind of think this Palace team are there for the taking. Arsenal should have beaten them at the Emirates. Okay, no, stop ago. that. Stop that. No. You guys were lucky to get a draw in that game. Just be honest. Like, I don't want to bring it back to Arsenal, but like Palace were still very effective with their pressing and ruthless on the counterattack, and they didn't even have Zaha for that well, game. Well, you, you didn't let me finish. Zaha's I was about back to now. say. I was about to say, but Crystal Palace offensively showed that they're going to get chances against any team they play this season. You know, defensively they were there to be had. Arsenal should have scored more goals, but offensively they could have scored more goals on on Arsenal too, and. I think they'll get chances. I think they'll get chances in this game. Like you said, this is a different Palace team than what we're used to. Vieira has them playing more of a pressing style, um, more of an expansive style than they were playing under Roy Hodgson. And, you know, their two center backs, Mark Gehi and Joaquin Anderson, they're both, you know, young, up-and-coming center backs that they're both honestly kind of cocky. Like, they both play like they're world-class and they both think that they should be on probably better teams. And it and it makes for sometimes That's an assumption. No, no. Well, I mean, <laughs> they literally both, just signed for Palace like a month or two ago. <laughs> right, but I'm sure they. Both and they're think, already like, oh, we've outgrown this team. No, We're but too just, big for Palace. They're both. They're both. They both seemingly very confident. They make a lot of risky passes on the ball. They they play in possession. You know, sometimes losing the ball, like you've said in the past, like a couple times Anderson gets caught in possession, and and I've seen a couple times Gahey as well, but. Again, like it, it's it's a team. This is a, a young pal side. They're gonna grow. Christian Benteke looks like he's doing okay this season. I don't know. I yeah, think Palace will give City a game. Much I think they'll give them a game. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say four two Manchester City. Oh wow! Okay. But Palace get two goals. Yeah, I think Palace are gonna play Zaha, Benteke, and uh, Edward, and and get get some attacking output out of them. So. Along with Gallagher behind them, should be a, should be a fun just, game. Just to watch. wait until Vieira realizes that uh, Edward is the future, and he uh, benches Benteke in favor of Edward at center forward. And Eze Zaha. Oh man, I completely forgot about Eze. No, but I was right. gonna, I was going to oh, say, say Zaha on the left and Elise on the right. Right, but there you see they have piles of some nice attacking players. Exactly. Why the hell not? Why not all four of them? Olise as the attacking midfielder, Gallagher in a pivot. I mean, Gallagher can play in a in a in a, a deeper role in midfield. They just use him much further up as more of a attacking midfielder. But yeah, once Eze comes back, that unlocks a whole lot of interesting possibilities for Palace. Uh, I'll stick with three uh, one Manchester City. You said four two Manchester City. The next ten a.m. game I want to hit on quickly because we're you know kind of running out of time here. Uh, Newcastle hosting Chelsea Saturday at ten a.m. I highlighted this one, or I wanted to highlight this one, just because Newcastle, St. James's Park, has notoriously been a 
a, a troubling ground for Chelsea to go to. Even when we win there, it's it's a scrap. And that was under Bruce. That was under Rafa Benitez. Uh, that was under you know plenty of other managers before. So uh, obviously there, there's squad is massively underperforming yeah, that's why they, they went and go, went and bought demba ba and uh didn't you buy uh didn't you buy their striker after they went and beat you with pardu back then back in the day they've been beating you i feel like well, we would have gone for, we would have gone for papi cisse then because papi cisse was the one who you know Scored absolutely destroyed goals, yeah. us <laughs> i remember that <laughs> ba was great i love demba ba yeah um chelsea legend yeah, i i don't care how bad newcastle are and they are bad don't get me wrong are they under, I, I just have, have a caretaker that, manager right yeah, I forget his name. Um, I forgot to I forgot to remember it. Something Rogers. I might just be messing that up. Who knows? <laughs> I'm not even willing to Google it just because I'm like they're gonna announce. Like I'll probably Google it and they'll announce some. Like they'll announce Fonseca tomorrow. Like I don't know. Go ahead and do that for me, Javier. All right, Alex. It's Graham Jones. Graham Jones, and it was some like some regular ass last name like rogers or jones or smith or something all right graham jones uh, i know he was a considered a promising uh former manager when he was at uh, luton but all right well I, what my point is regardless of how good their their team is playing how good their manager is newcastle is always a difficult difficult away trip for chelsea even when we win there so i'm going to I'm, I'm predicting a win, obviously, even still without Lukaku and, and Werner. Oh, shut up, Alex. You're going to win there easily. Newcastle are garbage right now, and you guys are the gods. All right? You just I'm going to say 2-1. 2-1 Norway. Chelsea. Yeah, no, but, Alex. Okay, there's, Javier, there no. is bad. And let me tell no. you. Let me tell you, Javier. There's bad, and then there's Norwich. Norwich are awful. How the fuck did you guys only beat them 1-0 at home? What is that? Listen. Seriously. We were, that was after Dude. we... We, we were up like 5-0 when they got the red card. And then we scored two more, you know, a little bit later. But like the red card in the game with us had no impact. Like they were just as bad with, with 10 men as they had been even with 11. Like it didn't even make that much of a difference. They are awful, dude. Yeah, but Newcastle might be are worse awful than too. they were last time they came up, which I didn't think was possible. Newcastle don't have a win this season. They've scored five goals. You really think that of their five goals, they're going to score a 6-1 against Chelsea, who have only conceded... Yeah, but Callum Wilson has scored most of those goals. Three and he's, goals. He's scored in like every game except for one that he's been held, that he's been like fit for. So he's... like Wilson's available for this one and, and fit, so... And he scored a lot of goals for Bournemouth against us. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if did you see oh, the I'm bicycle sorry, kick sorry. he scored, scored against Palace. They've scored 11 goals. Newcastle scored plenty of goals. I was looking yeah, yeah, at Yeah, it's their, their defense, uh, which is awful looking, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, it's their, it's their back line. I'm, I'm still saying 2-1 because without Lukaku, we have, you know, we ha- we've gone back into this trend that uh, you saw a lot at the end of last season where, you know, we're still very solid defensively and we create a shitload of chances. I think we've had uh, 20 plus chances or, or what do you call it? Attempts on goal. Uh, in each of the last two games, the Carabao Cup game against Southampton and the the Norwich game, created a bunch of chances, scored like plenty of goals against Norwich, but you, you still feel like it's possible that we create a bunch of chances nil, and just screw them up. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with two one. Three or I think four it's nil. trickier than uh, people think. I really no, do. I, I think that curse is over Tuchel. God. 3-0, Chelsea. <laughs> All right. What, which of these Sunday games do you want to hit on? We already talked about uh, Tottenham-Manchester United Saturday at 12.30. To, it's got to be the Villa-West Ham game. What? Yeah. Well, let me let me do read out the games Villa... first. Uh, on Sunday, Sunday and Monday, sorry, there's uh, two games Sunday. Norwich and Leeds Sunday at 10 a.m. And then Aston Villa-West Ham Sunday at noon. Uh, and then the 
week's games will finish with Wolves Everton on Monday if at Leeds 4 p.m. Don't beat Norwich here. Like they're in trouble. Big. Trouble. I feel like they'll beat them like one nil. It'll be like right. a shitty, a, a shitty, shitty win <laughs> that like yeah. no team comes out of thinking like they're that much better. Um, but that Aston Villa West Ham game, that's very interesting now because you know the Villa Park like home bounce is definitely still there's a been, thing. There's been whispers that Dean Smith is in trouble. There's just been whispers. Why, why that wouldn't he be? He's yeah, because well, they've lost three straight games now. They're in thirteenth place. Yeah, they they, they spent games. they spent like 120 million this last summer. Obviously, they lost Jack Grealish, so you got to give them a little bit of, you know, time to adjust for losing such a big player. Do you just chalk it down to inconsistencies of of injuries and all this stuff that's been going on and losing Grealish? And do you just think he needs to be given a little bit more time, or do you, or you know? I, mean, I would stick with him. I, I, I don't think he, he's like really out of his depth because their their expectations aren't even that much higher than they were last season, and they had they had like bad they, runs during last another, season like, too. If they lose again here to West Ham, you, like dude, they had like two whole months uh, of last season where they didn't have Grealish and they were really struggling for results uh, around like January and February of last season too. So it's not surprising. It's just how they react to. In that Arsenal game, I have a sinking feeling about that 5-3-2 I was praising so much that Villa have been using. It kind of felt like very null and they weren't really able to press well, from it at all. One thing was very clear from that Arsenal game, J- J- like Jacob Ramsey has to start in that Villa midfield and they don't look nearly as like energetic or, or, or good in that 5-3-2 if he's not starting in it. Because they just they created nothing until he came onto the pitch in the second half, so... I mean, I have no insider knowledge on this. Don't quote me on this as some sort of like declaration. This is going to happen, but I would not be surprised if relatively soon you saw Dean Smith, you know, sort of revert back to his usual four-two-three-one. Like it felt to me like the five-three-two that they've been using pretty regularly so far this season was kind of a reaction to them having injuries and suspensions or you know COVID difficulties with both. Buendia coming back from Argentina duty and Bailey the being injured. And those are two players that, you know, if you play Ramsey in like a midfield three, Bailey and Buendia would be the most natural choices to play the two wing positions. So if you don't have those, then, you know, you got to make up for it in other areas. You got to add a defender, allow your wing backs to be more adventurous going forward and then play Ings and Watkins together. Now, I don't think they're like completely done with that formation, but like they can still whip it out every now and then when those they're same also, injuries and problems happen. You're also keeping out Bertrand Triori and Anwar Algazi out of the team when you don't play with wingers. Yeah. So there's that's four wingers and, that really need game Those are still time. like very good players. That, like, they, they are. They can stick with Al-Ghazi the 4 was two, excellent three, last one season, and, and so was Bertrand Triori. And play Triori. those two and do well. Right. I just don't know um, whether they'll do it. It seems like the most natural sort of fix to the stagnation there. I think the they just need to bench there. one one of Ings or Watkins and it sucks because I'm guessing like they both also need game time so but I think you have to bench one of them and make the sacrifice to, to get the, the more wing plays more wing play but Which I want to praise West Ham why is it Watkins I would back Watkins because he's young and seemingly the future no, but for Villa, you would have but, to play Ings as the center forward because Ings he because scored because you just signed him and he, he's been scoring yeah and Watkins hasn't this season. So. so I feel like you'd have to play but, Ings in the middle. But in terms um, of this West Ham Watkins game, I think it's, bench. it's getting a little desperate for them. I, I can see why those rumors are starting to creep up, actually, because, you know, three straight losses, you know, two of those are 
really bad. Like the, the 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 wolves one is a horrific one, especially at home to your you know yeah being up two nil rival. and then they they flip the game. They score right. three goals in the that's last an ten awful minutes. One. And then losing that, to that Tottenham awful, team, yeah. who are you know not that good. Tottenham are you know it's a name, but they're not that good this season. And they were on an awful run before they right. they got, had that Tottenham game. So. So uh, games like that that they lose, that's I, I can understand why the pressure's on, and you know them hosting West Ham, that's 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 probably the toughest of those those three games of those four games total. But those last three games, it's probably tougher than any one of those. No offense to you guys, but West Ham are just they're pretty good right now. And I, I've mentioned the the set piece threat. They scored off a set piece yet again to win against Tottenham. Antonio off the corner. Being honest, when I think West Ham, like that is something that if you can't defend set pieces like extremely well, you're going to have a lot of trouble with West Ham. You're going to have a lot of trouble with teams like Chelsea, Liverpool, Brentford, teams that have like sort of mastered this art of consistently threatening you every single game off set pieces if you even switch off for a moment. No, so, I, I agree completely. I thought West Ham were excellent in that win against Tottenham. I think that their midfield dominated. They had possession most of the game and for large parts of the game, they had a control and, and you felt like they could go on and get a goal. The goal didn't really come. You know, it, honestly, Tottenham had the better of the chances in that game. But like you said, they, they kept getting, you know, corners and set pieces. And every time it was it was a, th- a threat. And yeah, that 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 winner, it you know, it kind of came out of nowhere. But at the same time, you also felt like it was eventually coming because of the amount of like set pieces that they were getting. And it seems like West Ham play more of a defensive possession game, you know, move the ball quickly to one of their wingers in Bowen um, and or Antonio or Fornals, who has been playing more of like a, a, a link up role for Antonio and for Bowen. But you know he had he's honestly more pacey than i than i thought he was initially like the more i've been watching him and yeah i think west ham have one of the more fluid front threes in those three in the league um and they've been building chemistry since since last season so i, I think west ham are going to win this i'm going to say 2-1 west ham i think that I villa, villa's which, miseries uh, continue villa's miseries continue and I, I just can't decide so i'll say 1-1 it's it's really that close to me because the reaction from Villa, you know, especially in a home game, it just has to be there. But yeah, I, I'm I'm high on West Ham right now. I think they're fantastic, so I'm going to say two one. And just to jump back to that uh, West Ham Aston Villa result, what, what did you say the result was? Or you two would one be West again? Ham. Two one West Ham. I'll say one one. I think there's a lot of missed chances in this, and uh, you know Villa sort of cling on for a, a point that they're desperate for. Well, let's end things there. I think we've done enough for one night. Sorry, There's just so much to get along. to this weekend. Javier, yeah. thanks for jumping on another Ghost Goal pod. Good luck to you guys on Saturday morning. You're going to need it. We're going to be sitting back down here next Wednesday, and I'm going to be so arrogant and cocky after we beat Leicester. Well, no, because I, picked, be a... I predicted a draw, Javier. And when I predict You're a draw, right. that means you guys either lose or draw. So. No, I don't like that, Alex. <laughs> At least you didn't predict an Arsenal win. I would have been freaking the fuck yeah. out. <laughs> I couldn't do that in good conscience. I couldn't do that. It couldn't be. You, if you no were just like, oh, Javier, me. you guys are playing great. Arsenal win. I would have just been like, no, Alex. Uh, all right, stop the pod. Delete it. <laughs> delete we have it. to start, start over. over. Right. All right. Well, you can follow us on social media at JavierRev9 for Javier's Twitter, at ASMoss92 for my Twitter and Instagram. 
at Ghost Goal Pod for the podcast socials. And if you're listening on a podcast app like uh, Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify that will allow you to rate and review the pod, we'd really appreciate it. Seriously, really would appreciate it if you guys went ahead, gave us a rating, gave us a review. One word review, paragraph review, good, bad, doesn't matter. We'd love a review, helps new listeners to find the pod. And, you know, we'd really appreciate you if you guys helped us grow this thing. So enjoy the games this weekend. And until next time, see you.